So the next time that Dwight Howard gets thrown out of a game, you can talk to him after the game and say like, man, I can relate. We are the same. We are. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take a hall of fame career. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined today by uh, somebody who is relatively new to the Lakers beat. He has been this. He's done this now for for long enough, I think, to understand the the fan base. I think uh, Yovan Buha of the Athletic. He has the Forum Club podcast at Yovan Buha on, on Twitter. Uh, Yovan, how has this season treated you? You came over from the Clippers. The, the Clippers beat. You 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 hopped on the Lakers beat. What was that experience like? It, it was fun. It, it was definitely odd doing so uh, in the pandemic setting. And, yeah. and you know, most of the interactions coming uh, over Zoom. So I, I wasn't really around the team in person the way a normal beat writer would be, you know, wasn't traveling mm-hmm. uh, and, and then was set to travel for the uh, conference semifinals and that obviously did not work out. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> then I ended up covering the Suns for, uh, yeah. uh, sorry about that. Uh, no worries. Ended up covering the Suns for uh, the, the next three rounds and, and kind of had this week. So I, I kind of covered like three teams in a seven month span, uh, but it, it was, it, it was fun. I mean, I, I think growing up in LA, uh, you know, I, I got into basketball during the, the Shaq and Kobe era. So, um, you know, I, I know how big the Lakers are. I, I know how big the fan base is and, and, uh, being an LA kid, I've, I've yet to leave, uh, went to USC for college. So, uh, I've, I, I know what it means to, to, you know, cover the purple and gold. And yeah. I, I think it's been a really cool opportunity and, and something that, uh, I, I don't take lightly and I'm, I feel very, uh, blessed to do so. Aaron Scott would say, you know what it means to be a Laker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today's to, to show Byron Scott <laughs> <laughs> he would either say that or just cross his arms at you he would just look at you with his arms crossed and uh, that would be your quote for for post game so today's show we're going to discuss uh, Russell Westbrook and try to preview his season uh, what might it look like if it works what might it look like if it doesn't what can the Lakers do if it doesn't work um, all of that good stuff but I do want to start here because like we were kind of laughing before we uh, started recording that the uh, media day is in a week, but <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's in eight days. The Lakers first preseason game is in less than two weeks. Uh, and, and the Lakers are still sitting at 13 guaranteed contracts heading into next season. Um, do you think they, they sign one more player or do you think they try to rely on, a non-guaranteed contract, a, a two-way type player and head into the season with a thinner roster? Uh, I think they probably end up signing somebody by the start of the season. I mean, they still technically have almost a month until the actual se- you know regular season uh, mm-hmm. game one. So I, I think th- there's been a lot of James Ennis buzz out there that, that's mm-hmm. been kind of the, the name most linked to them. I think 
Wes Matthews would still make a lot of sense. I don't know what his role would be exactly in, in terms of playing time, but mm-hmm. I think that he was someone that definitely in the, in the second half and, and, you know, towards the, uh, like postseason came on strong, I, I felt, and yeah. almost became like a closing kind of fixture there where he, you know, gained Frank's trust. So I think definitely a, a wing needs to kind of be that, that position and, and probably a wing with some size, uh, probably a more of a defensive wing, which is why you look at Ennis and potentially Wes Matthews as a couple options there. Um, I do think though that those names have been out there for so long that maybe there is a chance that they end up just taking a non-guaranteed guy and uh, looking at some of these guys that they're bringing in, um, you know, like Cam Oliver to to kind of mm-hmm. see is this person someone that uh, you know could, could maybe fill that 14th spot. Um, I am confident that, that they are going to start the season with an open roster spot. So 14 at most, uh, mm-hmm. if not 13, and, and then, you know, they're going to be in the mix heavily, you know, Denver's Brooklyn for whichever top, uh, you know, free agent comes, yeah. Buyout guy comes along during the season. So I, I think that they're kind of going to kind of see like, you know, is there an injury? Is there a hole in our roster? You know, what position do we need to strengthen and then target that guy on the buyout market? So that's how I kind of see the end of the roster playing out. But honestly, I mean, they're already going to struggle to find minutes for the 13 guys on the roster right now. So yeah, um, I do think that with that 14th guy, it probably should be either someone coming in, not expecting to play any minutes or maybe a younger non-guaranteed guy that they just give a shot to develop and, and maybe have a, as a part of their core moving forward. But I think that they're set with the 13. I mean, you know, they, I think they need a 14th guy, but in terms of playing time, I think the, the rotation, rotation is pretty, pretty set. Yeah. 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 I, you touched on a few reasons why I actually over the last week or so have thought that they might actually go with a non-guaranteed guy in that 14th spot. Uh, availability of minutes is, is, is a big one. Uh, the fact that we have heard so much about those names and then nothing has really come to fruition. That doesn't usually bode well for the player who James Ennis was out there liking everything on Twitter that the <laughs> Lakers were throwing and commenting yeah. and stuff. He was doing his best, um, but for whatever reason, nothing has come uh, come into fruition there. And then, you know, the last thing here, we know that the Caruso, uh, letting Caruso walk was born a lot of financial um, inflexibility mm-hmm. and incapability of spending and a non-guaranteed contract would be cheaper. You know, it would, and, and, uh, I, I don't know to what extent that plays into this, but we do know that it's played a role in, in other moves that the Lakers have made. Um, they were very happy to trade Marcus Gasol and not have to just eat his contract and wave him. Um, and, and, and they attached a second round pick to Mark to get him out of there. So they, they essentially, um, saved the $5 million in taxes, but, uh, it costs them five million bucks to get rid of that that second rounder, and so, you know, I, I'm I'm just kind of curious. Have you heard anything about like the, the the spending stuff? Like, has it been that loud from from conversations that you've had about about the decisions that the Lakers have been making? Uh, not not particularly. Um, I, you know, I, I do think with the Caruso thing, that was I, I think it was partially the the spending of you know it was going to be in just raising their tax bill at mm-hmm. an, an insane rate. But also um, I think there was a valuation play there of just, they valued him at a certain number. He came mm-hmm. in at a little bit higher than that. And I think they, they were maybe willing to go a little bit higher than people thought, but not meet him where he, yeah, not meet him that high ultimately. And 
Um, you know, it, it I, I mean, I, I think that, that, that to me was the one, you know, still to this day, the one thing I kind of wish went different for them in, in the off season yeah. of just keeping him. And, and I, I think that really would have plugged a, a certain role on the team that I still don't know who that defensive guard, uh, you know, perimeter stopper is on this group, you know, maybe mm-hmm. Kent Bazemore, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's always kind of been a thing with the Lakers where, um, you know, this is a, uh, you know, family business and, and they don't have the, uh, you know, finances that certain, you know, ownership groups have of, of tens of, of, you know, hundreds billions. of billions. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. So, you know, th- there are some times where, where maybe they, they, um, you know, look to, to cut costs, but, um, I mean, th- they also invested heavily in, in Russell Westbrook and that, that's kind of where, you know, you, you pick, if you're investing in a star, sometimes those role, you know, you have to adjust your, your role players. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't read too much into it, but, uh, it will, will be interesting to see what they do with this 14 spot. Yep. All right. You, you brought up Russell Westbrook. We're going to preview his season and he's a fascinating player. I, I have never spent so much time analyzing a single pickup that the Lakers have made in my life. There are some days where I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is going to work great. They're going to get and get out in transition. Maybe Anthony Davis plays more five and there is a, a little bit more spacing so that Russell being the worst volume three point shooter in NBA history doesn't hurt that bad. Um, or, or there are other days where I'm like, Oh my God, what, <laughs> what, what is this going to look like? Yeah. So that's kind of the two ends of the, of the spectrum here. Where do you think you fall on that? Uh, I think we're, we're in alignment. I know we've both caught some flack on Twitter for our, <laughs> no. our Westbrook takes. Uh, well, yeah. And mine was like, a, mine was like a month it was, old it was and, a and it was before they had signed anybody. <laughs> and then it just got like cherry picked out of one of my articles, like this yeah. one sentence and then it got blown up. But uh, I think it was also a fact. Like it was, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, but it, what, you know, it wasn't even it, an opinion. He was just like, no, he's a bad free three point shooter. Like that, that's yeah, just I mean, how it is. he's statistically the, the second worst three point shooter of all time uh, among players that have attempted 2000 or more uh, mm-hmm. threes and the uh, worst of all time is Charles Barkley, but he's attempted half as many threes as Russell yeah. Westbrook. So you could make the case that he is the, the worst high volume three point shooter. That does not mean he's a bad player. That does not mean he's a bad fit. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, that is just a fact that, that is undisputable, but I think with, with Westbrook, uh, I'm coming around more to it. I think, you know, even that piece that I wrote, that was the initial reaction right mm-hmm. after they made the trade. And that was yeah. before they had filled out the roster. And I, I do think that looking out how they, they filled the roster, I think it's gone about as well as it could yeah. w- with having those three guys as your stars. Once you committed to the Westbrook path and chose not to go down the Buddy Heald route, you know, this is... I think is about as good as, as the roster could look around yeah. those three stars and, and just filling in some shooting. I uh, got a couple three and D guys and, and Kent Bazemore and Trevor Ariza uh, brought back Dwight brought back, uh, you know, Rondo got Kendrick Nunn for uh, the taxpayer MLE, which I thought was a steal. And like you, you made some really Malik Monk or really, yeah, you he's know, well below, I think like what he should be earning Monk. Oh yeah. Low risk, high reward uh, lottery pick from four years ago. Like th- those are, th- they made a lot of smart moves post Westbrook. Now I think the season is ultimately, you know, barring an injury to one of the three stars torpedoing the season, which we obviously saw happen last year, seen it. Mm-hmm. you know, barring that, I think the season is going to come down to how does Russell Westbrook fit in with, with this group? Just, you know, plain and simple because we we've seen it frankly, not work in, in, in previous, you know, in, in OKC down the stretch that, you know, we, we know about him and Kevin Durant. 
Uh, we, we saw kind of the, the great lengths that Houston went to, to make it work and basically playing him as a center offensively against the Lakers. And that was you know, one thing I wrote about was just funny seeing the way the Lakers defended him in that series and, and mm-hmm. then now them incorporating him. But um, I think, again, adding the shooting, I think AD is going to play more five. I'm actually predicting him to start at center going into mm-hmm. next season. I think I've come around to that. I think it just makes too much sense now that Marcus Gasol isn't there. I don't think you could start Dwight or DeAndre with Russell Westbrook and LeBron and AD. It's just the the floor is going to be so cramped that I just think yeah. AD has to start the five at this point. But uh, you know, if you do that, you, you run some AD Russ, uh, you know, bench centric lineups. Some not, you know, those will be some good non-LeBron minutes, I think. And, and I'm I'm coming around to it. And I think um, for, from some of the stuff I've heard, it, it sounds like they are working with him on the shot selection and that has been kind of a point of emphasis Mm. in some of these workouts is uh making sure that he is you know taking the right shots and i think you're never going to fully get right you're not going to turn russell westbrook into chris paul of just this model of efficiency but you know that that, that's okay because he does some things that chris paul can't do right so i think i'm coming more around to it i still don't think it's a perfect fit i think that you know, he, he is on the the lower side of, of like third stars you could have brought in that that would fit seamlessly with LeBron in AD. I think ideally that third guy would be a really, really good shooter. Uh, but Yield. aside from that, um, you know, I think he's going to help LeBron. It's an insurance policy. If LeBron or AD needs to rest or, or they're dealing with a, a small injury that isn't serious, but but maybe they would normally play through it. Maybe you give him a couple games off, let Russ mm-hmm. kind of cook and, and do his thing. So I think there's a lot of upside to it. Uh, but but ultimately, I think the season will be judged by how does Russell Westbrook perform and fit in, and, and then you know how does he uh, you know particularly perform in the playoffs because we we have seen even with some of these you know triple doubles and, and gaudy numbers and thirty plus points uh, that stuff doesn't necessarily translate into the postseason and, and his yeah. numbers are slightly worse in the in the playoffs so um, those to me are kind of the, the two biggest things for the season is just it's going to be all about Russ <laughs> is uh, if it doesn't work out. Like if if the fit with LeBron is clunky, if it turns out that the the shooting and the spacing actually is as big a factor as as you think on the on the bad days that you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. if that is how this plays out, it seems to me like the Lakers are kind of strapped. Like it, they 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 it's going to be difficult to move Russell Westbrook after it doesn't work out with the Lakers because that'll be a very public story. Like that'll be. The entire league will know, hey, that didn't work out there. If Russ can't fit with LeBron and Anthony Davis, where can he fit on a good team? And and what will teams be willing to give up? Not just in terms of assets that keep the Lakers at a decent level now, but then on top of that can match that salary that that Russell Westbrook is making this year. So if if this doesn't work out, do you see a way that the Lakers can kind of rebound? Uh no, um, <laughs> like like long term, I, yeah. I think they're fine. I mean, they, they have Anthony Davis, and yeah. I think that they'll be able to get that second star in the next couple of years if for some reason this doesn't work. Um, as far as trade partners, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I mean, I think look, even looking at like when he was with Washington, you're kind of like, what teams make sense for us? Who could acquire mm-hmm. him? Like, I mean, the Lakers weren't really even an option. You know, that that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, I think. With Westbrook, he is a Hall of Famer. He is a, uh, you know, I think one of these guys that he's probably a bigger star than his actual like level of play is currently. So um, that, I mean, his name value is just, you know, top five, top seven in the league, right? Even mm-hmm. if we don't necessarily consider him at, at that level still. Uh, so I think, 
you can all, I mean, maybe there's a, a desperate, you know, Minnesota gets desperate and is really trying to keep Carl Anthony Towns and they package something, mm-hmm. <laughs> bring D'Angelo back to LA. <laughs> uh, I don't like what could go wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, yeah. so I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure there, there's, I think we've seen now in the last few years that we always label guys untradeable and Russell Westbrook's yeah. been traded a few times. Right. Uh, yeah. John Wall, Chris Paul, like, uh, so, you know, uh, I just, I don't think anyone's untradeable, but I think when surveying the league, I don't see a, a natural, uh, like this team is going to be able to, you know, attract Russ and be able to afford him. Mm-hmm. That, that pool is pretty small. Uh, but I think the thing is, I, I don't, I don't see how this like is a disaster. I, I think, yeah. and that, that's kind of where I'm coming more around to it, where I just think even going back to last season, I mean, I think people forget like the Lakers are 21 and six when Anthony Davis went down mm-hmm. and they were up two one in the playoffs over the Suns before Anthony Davis went down and smacked and, the Suns around too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so I yeah. think, and it's, it's not, I mean, it's not to say they were going to win the championship last year. It's not to say they're even going to make the finals, but I think that there is some revisionist history with, with, you know, so, some of the struggles of last season and, and mm-hmm. yes, you know, there were some flaws with the team and um, you know, the Andre Drummond signing and, and different things. But I think just if you have LeBron in AD, you are in that, you know, 1% of contenders. You know, it, it is like, to me, it is the Lakers, the Nets and the Bucks. I personally think that the Nets are, are the best team in the league. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, they're my championship. I'm with right you. Now. But, uh, I, but the Lakers are my West favorites and they're to me the, the team that I, I would pick to come out of the West. So uh, I think we're talking about the margins here. So even the Westbrook, like, I think a disaster for the Westbrook situation is like losing in the second round. Like that's probably like the, the, the floor, but um, you know, so I, I think, no, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I, I don't see a, a scenario in which it goes so bad that they feel like they have to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. I just could see a scenario in which the fit is, is a little clunky. They're, they're playing another really good team. Uh, you know, sort of like the Phoenix series, that team kind of figures out a way to defend them. That team wins. And now you're like, okay, how do we change the pieces around these three guys to really maximize what they do best? So that to me is probably a more realistic negative outcome than, um, you know, obviously the team right. first round, really, then yeah. we're having yeah. a different conversation, but I, I just don't see that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. It's, it's basically, I don't see a trade partner that keeps the Lakers at the same level they think they are right now, if they have to trade Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. but like, I don't see a scenario coming here where the Lakers will feel like they have to trade Russell Westbrook. So hopefully that's something you, you, you get to avoid altogether and yeah. it never comes up and you never have to make that kind of a call. You never have to, to figure out a trade that still keeps you at that top tier type uh, title contending team or keeps you within shouting distance of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, hopefully it never comes to that. And I, I, and I think it's pretty unlikely that it would. Um, we talked about, you know, the fit with, with LeBron James and the fit with Anthony Davis. I think the fit with Anthony Davis is clearly more natural than the fit with LeBron with Russ. And I, I, one way that I think that fit with LeBron can be a little bit more natural is if he does more stuff off ball, like for the entirety of his career, when he doesn't have the ball, he just kind of stands there and he's not a floor spacer. So that hurts you when he does cut, he's a phenomenal cutter and he's a great finisher when he does cut. Uh, he just hasn't really shown much proclivity for doing that. Now that he's like the third best player on a team, 
I do think it's more likely that he that he buys into that role. He'll have more energy. He won't have to spend so much time on the ball. Those kinds of things. Um, and and if he if he is the screener in a LeBron Russell Westbrook pick and roll, and and you just hit Russell Westbrook on a short roll where he can either hit a shooter in the corner, lob to AD in the dunker spot, or take the ball to the rim, or take a mid range jumper uh, himself there at the free throw line. I think that's probably the most difficult thing to defend for an opposing team how likely do you think it is though based on what you're hearing that he does buy into that kind of a role though because he hasn't to this point and he's been around quite a while I think it's it's more likely than we think uh, hmm. I, I mean you, you hit on something I think Russ is going to be amazing for AD I mean we, we've seen him turn stiff uh, you know <laughs> Stephen plotting, Adams plotting centers into yeah. productive offensive players now imagine doing that with Anthony Davis and right you know, if anything, um, yeah, I think that that w- one of the things that hasn't been like, like I think the LeBron AD two man game could be even better th- than it is. Mm-hmm. And LeBron creating easy buckets for AD could even be a little bit better. And that's why I think Russ is just going to kind of help that because Russ excels at that at, at you know, picking, uh, you know, pick and roll game uh, w- with his center partner and getting that guy lobs, getting that guy dump offs, handoffs. Uh, so I think doing that with AD and having LeBron, I mean, LeBron is not a, you know, 42% three point shooter, but he's LeBron. So you're going to have to defend him yeah. on the weak side. Then <laughs> Nobody's put, ever you know, walking away from LeBron. Yeah. No one's leaving LeBron. You, you put Wayne Ellington and, you know, Carmelo or Trevor Reza or someone that, that is a, you know, respectable shooter. I think that floor is spaced and, and you're, you're getting downhill with, with Russ and AD. And, and I just don't know how you defend that other mm-hmm. than leaving shooters wide open. So, so first, I, I think Russ is going to be huge for AD. I'm predicting a, a big bounce back year from AD. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be his best season in LA. Um, second thing is, I, I do think Russ is buying in. Now, I think sometimes you see this with a player in a new environment. They buy in at first, and then they revert to their old yeah. habits. So that that's going to kind of be something to monitor with Russ. But I think, honestly, if you trim two to three bad shots a game from Russ, uh, you know, a, a bad pass or two, and get him to buy in defensively more and kind of be like, hey, this is Frank Vogel's system and everyone that plays has to defend. You know, we need you to set that example on the perimeter. We mm-hmm. don't have the defenders that we had last season or the season before. We need you to be the perimeter stopper. Go back to 2008 uh, UCLA, you know, defensive player of the year. We need that level of defense from you. Uh, like if you see just some things along the margins shift positively for us, um, I think you can see the best version of him and really the version and another version, you know, cutting and, and screening and uh, be, being an active, you know, off ball person. I, I think it, it's going to go both ways where LeBron is going to have to do some of those things more yeah. than he's done in the past too, and, and kind of show, you know, maybe even set the example for us as well of like, Hey, if I'm willing to play off the ball more than I have since Miami and, and potentially more than I have in my career, you know, you need to do the same thing. You know, I'm like, I'm better. I'm the guy on the team. So if I'm willing to do that, you know, you have to buy in as well. So I think honestly, if LeBron can't get Russ to buy in, nobody can get, uh, you know, Russ to buy in. Right. And um, I think he's been in some situations where, you know, he and KD came up together. He and Harden came up together. He was an all-star before Bradley Beal was even in the league. Like Mm -hmm. it's, this is the first situation where I think he can actually look at someone and definitively say like, you're better than me. Or at a yeah. minimum, on my equal, because I, I think he thought he was better than KD when they played yeah. together. So I, I think LeBron just has a, a level of respect. And look, they, they went to, to Anthony Davis's wedding together. They, they've been out 
you know, at, at lunches and parties and different things. So and I think Nas music video. Yeah. Like, I think they, they clearly have a, a good relationship. LeBron is clearly on board with this. So um, Le- LeBron, I, I mean, I'm sure LeBron has some of these same questions too, but he also, I, I think they're working this out and, and I'm growing more confident in it. I don't think it's perfect. I, I don't think, uh, again, looking at Brooklyn, like those three guys just fit seamlessly because they can all move without the ball. They can all shoot. And there's just more of a natural fit there. Uh, so I don't think it's that necessarily, but I, I do think Russ it seems like he is buying in more than um, I think we, we were maybe thinking initially. And, and if you get that version of Russ, um, I think this is a really dangerous team. Yeah. I, I really think, you know, the major theme to the season is going to be sacrifice. You know, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. He doesn't like playing center. Well, here's the way that you can sacrifice and make us a better team. Russell Westbrook doesn't like operating off the ball and setting screens and cutting in and, and staying disciplined on defense. Well, here's a way that you can sacrifice and make us a better team. Um, LeBron, I think of the three guys probably has to sacrifice the least, but that's because he's the best of the three guys. Like mm-hmm. that's how that usually goes. He can kind of do anything. So like you could, <laughs> well, yeah, anywhere. <laughs> that's, that's also true. Like it, him sacrificing, he's just really good at the other thing that you're asking him to do. So it doesn't really look like sacrifice. So yeah, I, I think it's going to, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating season that we're heading into here. That is so clearly defined by this one theme. It's just a matter of how how consistently can they can they stay uh, with that theme and stick to that theme. Um, last thing before before we uh, move on and play uh, the game to end the pod, but the um, the Lakers went in, went out and brought in DeAndre Jordan. Um, I had Chris Winfield on last week to discuss what the DeAndre Jordan experience was like uh, once he bought out. Once he once he just kind of backed away, recognized he didn't have a rotation spot. Um, he just, he didn't speak to media. Apparently he just didn't, um, I don't think handled that, uh, very well. And even while he was playing, he wasn't exactly trying all that hard, uh, according to Chris and, and video. Um, how do you think, <laughs> how do you think DeAndre Jordan fits, uh, with the way that he, the role that he might have here? Cause if Anthony Davis is playing more five, it's kind of difficult to see the minutes for DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think AD is going to play some four uh, still, and, and you might see him along uh, alongside Dwight or, or DJ uh, in some bench units. So maybe it, maybe it ends up being a thing where, um, you know, you, you have, it is kind of a three center platoon like last season to, to an extent where maybe AD is playing 24 minutes tonight at center. Uh, Dwight's playing another 12 to 14 and DeAndre is playing another, you know, eight to 10. And uh, you, you kind of fill it out that way. I mean, the, the one thing that I think uh, we were talking about a wing earlier is like the 14th guy. I, mean, I think another kind of spot that this team doesn't really have is that small ball five other yeah. than AD, you know, the, the Keefe role where, mm-hmm. um, and, and I guess Mello can maybe do that, but you don't really love that defensively uh, offense. I mean, offensively, he could definitely do that. He could be a pick and pop big and, and he can kind of, um, I think functions similarly to Keith, where you give him a couple post ups, you give him the pick and pops, you have him as a catch and shoot spot up guy. Like he can do the Keith role offensively and, and probably better. So I mean, he's, he's a better shooter. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, he has taken 10,000 mid range jumpers. So, like, he, he can do that, but defensively, you know, not the same level uh, anywhere, I think anywhere close to the same level of defender that Keith was uh, or, or is. So I think that that's maybe another spot where like, if you don't get the wing, maybe you go for a, another stretch big that, that can defend a bit. And, and that is kind of a, 
a spot that gets into the rotation. But I think it's interesting with DJ because I, I'm with Chris. I, I think I'm with you in, in that to me on, on paper, you know, this is a guy that has been declining the past couple of seasons. Uh, I, I do think that he is probably best served as a, like a, a third string, 2.5 string center mm-hmm. right now. Uh, but he clearly was not happy with his role in Brooklyn. And, and I mean, remember part of sort of the, the recruiting strategy to get Katie and Kyrie was, you know, bring in DeAndre and, and giving him that contract. So uh, mm-hmm. for those three to be so close, for this to be something that they were talking about back in 2016 with Team USA, and, and then for him to be willing to walk away from that because right. of how he was being marginalized in the rotation, you got to think that there was some talk uh, about that with the Lakers of, you know, this is your role, you're, you're the backup center, or, or you're going to get at least 10, 12 minutes a night, we're not going to DMP you. So yeah. uh, I think there's maybe a chance that they just do kind of a... You know, if you're looking at the pie chart, it's half Anthony Davis and then Dwight and DJ are splitting or uh, maybe one's getting a little bit more than the other, depending on kind of like a running back by committee sort, sort of thing. Uh, but to me, I mean, I, I, ideally, you'd probably have it closer to 80s playing like 30 minutes a night at center. Dwight's playing 12 to 15 minutes a night. And then maybe you find a few minutes or DJ. But yeah. uh, at this point, I think he's like come playoff time. I, I don't expect him to be playing at all. And I think... Um, if that's what he's looking for, I would be surprised if, if that's what he gets. I can't imagine like, <laughs> if they're having conversations, because like, I think that was one thing that really hurt them with Drummond, right? Mm-hmm. They overpromised a, a, a role for Drummond based on uh, the skill level that he was at. DJ doesn't have that type of skill level right now, so you can't overpromise somebody like DJ. He's just, mm-hmm. he's just, not, he's just not at that stage of his career. Um, all right. Last thing before we get out of here, we do this with every fan or with every not fan, every guest. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows the the Euro stumble video that I have out there, the missed layup that Harrison throws in every single conversation that has anything to do with me uh, playing basketball. So that's my most embarrassing sports moment. Uh, do you have one that you can uh, pull from the from the top of your head? I could filibuster further further and give another one if you'd like. Okay, give another one. I'm gonna All think. Right. So I was playing um, center field back in like, it was like double A ball. So it was, it was, I was, I was really young and uh, the inning starts and I drank too much Gatorade between innings and mid play, not like, you know, the ball was in play and I had to go back up the right fielder because somebody hit a fly ball to right field. Um, the ball goes to right field. I literally run right by the right fielder run off of the field. It's on video. My parents have this video. I run off of the field and I run into the bathroom um, <laughs> while the game is, is going on. So that was like 10 year old me just pieces out mid game to go to the bathroom. Cause I had too much Gatorade. Okay. Uh, let's see. I, I, I would say, um, I mean, there's one play I remember in high school where we, we had an out of bounds play uh, baseline out of bounds. And uh, I, I, you know, the, the center gets uh, back screened and it's supposed to kind of, you're supposed to come from one uh, elbow to uh, you're kind of down for a layup. And I, I get it. And I just miss a point blank. Layup, oh, no. And I was you just went like, full drumming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just like, and, and, you know, I'm not a seven footer, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm at that point, like six, three, six, four, and I'm just missing a point blank layup. And um, I mean, it wasn't, I, I did catch it a little too low, like under the basket where I kind of had to like jump back to shoot it. But uh, that, I mean, that, that one was pretty bad. I had times in, in, um, so I was like, uh, 
it's funny because if, if you hang out with me, like I, I'm a very calm, laid back person. Yeah. But for some reason, when I played high school basketball, uh, there's like this fire that was lit under me that like it, it was almost like an alter ego where like on the court, I was like uh, just, you know, flagrant fouling people. And like I was like I was like an instigator. I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was see this uh, at all. <laughs> I was dirty. Like I, I, you know, was was constantly like punching and elbowing people like you know you're, you're boxing out and i'm just like yeah. punching someone in the ribs and stuff like that like just <laughs> and it was funny because like I, I was tall but i was like super thin and uh-huh. you know, anyone probably around my size probably could have taken me but <laughs> i just didn't care i, I was like um so i several times where i got ejected uh, you know kind of starting wow borderline I fights i see this or, from you at all like, dude. <laughs> i know it, it was um like I, I had some Andrew Bogut in me. Like that, that's yeah. kind of my play. Like I was more of a a passing, facilitating big, and then defensively, like block shots, take some hard fouls, yeah. a little dirty. Uh, but yeah, so I, I had times where, like one time, um, it was at the end of the game, we were losing, and and I got fouled, uh, or, or I think I no, I think we were on defense and we were pressing, and I, I fouled someone, and like he said something to me. I just like shoved him into the bench and then got ejected. <laughs> so like stuff like that, where it would be a little bit like in the moment you feel cool. And then afterward you're like, okay, like I, I just kind of embarrassed myself. So uh, that, that would, would kind of be it. Um, one, one thing that's, that's, I, I still pride myself on to this day. I've never been dunked on. Oh, I have like just refused to that. let that happen where if you're going to try and dunk on me, I'm going to follow you. And, and maybe okay. one day that'll change and pick up, but <laughs> You just learned a lot about me. <laughs> at least, at least it wasn't, at least you didn't just admit to like business decisions, right? Like at least you said like, no, I'll follow you. I, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take the foul or whatever. You don't like walk away from the play. I've been dunked on uh, a couple times. One actually the ball came down and hit me directly in the forehead after I got dunked on that. That wasn't a good feeling. Um, that's funny. So the next time that Dwight Howard gets thrown out of a game, you can talk to him after the game and say like, man, I can relate. We are the same. We are. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take a hall of fame career. You know what? I'll take it. <laughs> well, this has been really fun, man. I really appreciate it. The, the rust stuff is interesting and I'm sure this is going to be a topic of conversation, whether it's on this show, um, in our DMS, when, when everybody is yelling at us on Twitter for pointing out that Russ still can't shoot. Um, however, however that plays out, uh, I'm looking forward to it and best of luck this season. Again, you can find Jovan stuff at the athletic Um, He has, I think, the best podcast name in Lakers podcasting. The Forum Club is fantastic. Um, It's a really, really good name. I'm really kind of jealous of it. Uh, So best of luck and good luck to you this year uh, covering this team. Thank you, my man. I'll talk to you soon.